it is. I think you know. It's the game week. It's time to go. Let's do it. Don't tease me, Johnny. Just give it it's to me. It's the game week. So we're going to get into all of that. We'll talk about Michigan pretty much the entire dubcast. So if you if you want to hear about Michigan and, and you know the game and all that kind of stuff, then this is the podcast for you. I want to talk about Minnesota. <laughs> we'll do that for uh, one minute and 38 seconds. And then after that, <laughs> we're dumping it in the trash because nobody cares. All right, fine. Ohio State beat Minnesota. I don't remember anything that happened in the game. I do remember that it was uh, sort of close at halftime, and then uh, Ohio State woke up and said, oh, yeah, let's let's be better than the other team. And then they kind of turned it on very quickly in the, uh, in the, at the beginning of the second half, um, scoring two touchdowns within just a few minutes, basically. Uh, Travion Henderson had a huge run, and then, you know, at, after that, um, you know, Marv did his thing. But here's the thing. So all of that is prelude, you know, good game. I mean, held Minnesota 159 yards offense, which is hilarious. Uh, the only really thing, the only thing that I really want to talk about, I guess there's a, a few things I want to get into. Um, first of all, I think everybody looked the way they should before the mission game. I mean, uh, McCord went out there and had a good game. Obviously, you have a great game out of Trayvon Henderson. Um, you know, it's senior day, and obviously that holds a lot of a lot of meaning, a lot of special meaning to a lot of guys who've been in the program for a long time. Ohio State, I think, in the past couple of years, has struggled to get healthy going into the Michigan game last year in particular. And I feel like Ryan Day has been especially <laughs> Uh, concerned with making sure that his guys are 100% before this particular game. And he held out Tommy Eichenberg, who was apparently ready to go, but maybe not one, you know, maybe maybe 99% ready to go, not 100%. And Ryan Day said, nah, sorry, man, you got to you gotta chill on the bench here, participate in senior day activities, all that great stuff, but you don't actually get in the game. And I'm curious from you, George, how you feel about that decision? Do you, do you think he was... Uh, ready to go should he even been able to play or was that the right decision on day's part well there's two different perspectives you have to look at this from and the first is what does recent history say about the credibility for the information that ryan day gives us about any <laughs> player's health which yeah. is none yeah so I have no reason to believe that Eichenberg was actually healthy last week in the same way I have no reason to believe that Emeka Buka was healthy in any of the weeks that he was presumably active and warmed up and did not play this season. Right. So he very well could have been in a position where he could have played last week or it could just be Ryan Day blowing smoke as seems to have been the case in previous weeks during this season, we really don't know. Right. My general opinion is that it, in terms of holding players out of game action, uh, you need, you can take like a week off. It's like a bye week basically, but week over week absences are not good in the interest of, keeping skills sharp particularly when you're going into your biggest game of the season the final game of the regular season the game that's going to determine whether or not you get to play for a conference championship and 
in all likelihood probably determine whether or not you get to be the number one team in the college football playoff. You want to be a little bit more like less ring rusty to use a, a boxing term yeah. uh, than you know, three weeks off since you were last playing in live action, uh, which is going to be the case now for Eichenberg. Now, in his absence, the defense hasn't given up a touchdown. <laughs> so it's like, are, I like are that you, you kind of buried the lead there. The unit, <laughs> is the unit going to really suffer from him, like in terms of reacclimating? Yeah. It's tough to say, but that's just going to come down to his ability to fulfill his assignment, uh, having not been able to do it for like three weeks in live game action. It could, it, it can, for some athletes, it takes a little bit of time to get back into a groove when you've been away for a certain period of time. Right. And they, you don't get to play live action football every day. It's a, you get, you get it during one season a year and it's important for these guys to be able to be out there and not miss their opportunities. So I, I'm optimistic that Eichenberg's going to be fine because he's a veteran, but it, I, it, you can't say you're a hundred percent confident because the guy's been away from the field for a couple of weeks yeah. and he's got to get reacclimated uh, with his starters who've been great without yeah. him. So if he, if what ha- if they give up a touchdown, it's like, should we put Cody Simon back at Mike and just tell Eichenberg to hang out? No. He's he has finally become Diet Borland. Right. It's it's finally happening. Well, and the thing is, I I look at it from two perspectives. First of all, I agree with you. I do think you got to get at least a little bit of play and and to get some game time before the Michigan game. It's got to that that game is a physicality that other games don't have. And if you've been out for an extended period of time, I think you have to have some kind of like just just to get something to get you back up to speed. So I, I definitely agree with you on that perspective. And also it being senior day, I mean, get the guy in for a series. Just, I understand the the impetus there and to say, look, we want to get all our guys healthy and whatever, but man, like it's got to hurt for Eichenberg to see all those other dudes that he's been with. And, you know, for such a long time, you know, getting also guys who are probably banged up themselves at least a little bit. Uh, getting play time where he wasn't even going to get in for a snap. So that that doesn't sit super well with me. Um, but maybe this is one of those things where Ryan Day is doing like, you know, a 4D chess and going, okay, I'm going to get Eichenberg like super pissed off. And, and when he goes to Ann Arbor, he's going to want to murder every single person on the field. And I don't know. I don't know if that kind of stuff actually works. I mean, I feel like if he publicly, if he had really been good to play and he indicated to uh, Ryan Day that he wanted to play, he wouldn't have gotten held out. But he, he based on what the beat tells mm-hmm. us, he strikes me as the kind of person that's like, ah, I don't really care about senior day. I just want to yeah. win. And that's, so and that's if, fair too. You know, if me taking a week off is going to be better for the long-term interest of us beating Michigan, then yeah, I can see him making that sacrifice yeah i mean they played it up like you know they were they were about to get into a fist fight but i i doubt that that's oh really (laughs) yeah yeah day said he would you know they were exchanging texts at like you know way late at night and he was super angry and upset i that may be i feel like that's day laying it on a little bit thick to uh to maybe you know (laughs) prop up eichenberg a little bit because i agree with you i think he's definitely a team first kind of guy 
Um, well, it has no credibility when it comes to injuries. Yeah, who knows? So, what are we... <laughs> so second thing about the Minnesota game, because, again, we don't want to spend too much time on it. it unfortunately, it looks like Marvin Harrison Jr.'s Heisman candidacy is is kind of stuck in the mud here because he didn't have a super game statistically. He did, I mean, did everything he was asked to do. I mean, he did an excellent job as a decoy. There were several uh, plays with some other guys, uh, most notably, um, I think Xavier Johnson had a couple things. And then uh, Emeka, I mean, they just left that dude wide open because they were so terrified of Marvin. Uh, but he only had three catches for 30 yards. He did get the touchdown there. Um so I would say that yeah, they gave him the the Michael Thomas cheese play where they just make everybody run slants in, in different <laughs> directions. Right. And then, Oh yeah, he's open. Just that's cause. right. Exactly. Um, which even watching it, I was going, what the hell are they doing? But um, all slants. All slants. All I mean, time. you know what? Screw it. If it works, it works. But here's the thing. So I, I think for all intents and purposes, that was probably, um, you know, a, a big blow to uh, Marvin Harrison Jr.'s Heisman hopes. But, you know, it, I still am going to reiterate what I said last week, which I just because the stats may not necessarily be there in the way that is for like some other guys, particularly if you look at dudes out in Washington getting a billion yards thrown to him or, you know, some of Bo Nick's wide receivers at Oregon. Uh, he's still, in my opinion, the most talented dude in college sports. If I were a Heisman voter, which I'm not and will never be, um, I think he'd still get my vote, but uh, hopefully we see something super crazy out of him against Michigan. Do you think he's going to finish ahead of Jaden Daniels, who's now like there's suddenly this this big meme candidacy for Daniels because of the stats, even though LSU has the big stain? Yeah, no, I mean, I I honestly think. I think what they'll do, because Heisman voters like to do this, I think Bo Nix is going to win it. And what will happen is, is that Marvin Harrison will get like all the second place votes because they want to show that they still care about, um, you know, talent and uh, being objective and all that kind of stuff when they really don't. I mean, it's all about like stats, but um, I think he'll get a lot of. But if it's all about stats, then this guy that has better numbers than Kyler Murray right now. Well, no, because it's not just about stats. It's about stats and, like, the guy that they can sell at the given time. So if Oregon comes out and wins, like, the Pac-12, they're like, oh, okay, well, then that works. That's enough. It's it's all those elements. It's not about who's the best player. It's it's about all those disparate elements coming together and them going, oh, okay, the stats plus the Heisman moment plus winning recently and all that kind of stuff. So... So, but where, but where do you think he's going to finish relative to Marv? Do you think Marv is even going to get to go to yeah, New York yeah. at this point? No, yeah, I think he will. I think Marvin Harris. I think he'll finish second. You th- yeah, okay. because I think oh, that'll wow. be the Heisman right. voters okay. saying like, "Oh no, no, we actually care about talent and like looking at this objectively." When of course they don't, but that's going to be the bone that they'll throw to Marvin Harrison. So I think he'll finish second, the Heisman voting because in part, but you think, but you don't think it's a race at this no, point. No, no, no. Like it'll be a comfortable. Unless, win for yeah, unless Knicks. unless something really stupid happens with Oregon but you know I I think that's what if he what if Marv gets like a one-handed meme game-winning He's... touchdown catch over Sandstrom that would be sick uh but he, I think I still think he has to blow Michigan out of the water he's got to do something nuts like 200 receiving yards or something crazy um or like three touchdowns, which may, I mean, he's capable of doing like that could happen. That could get him right back into it. Um, so we'll have to see what happens with that. Let's talk about Michigan. All right. 
I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> For 12 minutes of the podcast, let's talk about Michigan. I'm sick of this crap. I don't want to talk about Minnesota. What what mistakes did Parker Fleming make (laughs) against Minnesota? Let's let's get into the details. No, I don't give a crap. It doesn't matter anymore. Look, Michigan, (laughs) here's the deal, all right? Let's talk about Michigan. I I have to talk about Michigan every week. Every everyone else. Oh my God, I hate the Johnny. I hate them so. They're so much. bad. And you know what? Here's the thing. And and we're gonna get into like some of the the tat or tat gate. Jesus Christ, sign gate. We're getting all that crap here soon. Um, I just before we get into who Michigan is really, because I want to talk about some of the dudes. You may not know who, like maybe if you're listening to Dubcast, you know some of these dudes, right? You know, you know JJ McCarthy, you know Blake Corum at Sanderson and all that. Maybe you don't know all the dudes, so we'll talk about that a little bit. But before we do, do you know about the guy that's revolutionizing the running back <laughs> position. He needs no introduction. I mean, Donovan Edwards is is on the the <laughs> the tip of the lips of every single. Um, you know, college football fan in America. No, I mean, before we talk about that, I do want to say how unbelievably whiny the Michigan man has been for the past month. Just so self-reflexively self-pitying for the past three to four weeks. Like it, it is, I understand, you know, when you, when a fan base is going through it, right? I've seen it. We've all seen it, you know, especially with Ohio state, when a fan base is going through it, they're going to throw a little bit of a pity party, but rarely have I seen one so sustained and so self-pitying as in this basically pretty minor. um, Like if you look at the grand scheme of things, what's their punishment? Jim Harbaugh getting suspended for three games where he's still allowed to coach the team during the week. And he's just not allowed to be present on the sidelines for three and a half hours. Like what, what are we talking about? They're acting like they're, you know, they've just been thrown in prison unjustly and they've got a tunnel out like, and they're, you know, freaking Clint Eastwood, right? Like, it's not like, what are we talking about here? Like it just, it blows my mind how <laughs> dramatic they're being about all this stuff. Um, and so we'll talk about that a little bit. Cause that just, that just cracks me up endlessly. It's just, you know, they're treating this like, you know, war. It's like, God, guys, you broke the rules. You were the one who broke the rules. <laughs> Why are you upset? <laughs> so I don't know. Regardless, we'll get into that. Um, let's talk about some dudes. I want to talk about some dudes, right? George, how many Michigan games have you watched this year? Have you seen? Like, how many times have you seen them show out? Uh, that's a good question. There's I no bad answer. If you decent... say zero, it's fine. No, it's a pretty decent amount. Okay. And now that you've asked me that, I'm going to actually bring up their schedule and I'll be able to tell you for sure. I don't think I watched any of their uh, non-conference, but uh, I'm trying to do this with one arm while I hold the microphone. <laughs> it's fine. I've, I've uh, seen every game. I've watched every Michigan game. Ew, what what is wrong? And, with well, you? exactly. I'm, I'm stupid. And my point No thy enemy. Well you got it. it's it's good. You're you're sharp for Well and I that. have to write the article, right? So as as stupid as it is. Fair enough. Because <laughs> I'm I, I'm an analyst. Um I mean look, if you made up watching Michigan versus East Carolina, <laughs> I mean who's gonna No one's know. gonna know. East Carolina got shut out against Navy this past weekend. Like, I don't blame you for not watching that game. I actually watched the entirety of their Bowling Green game, too. 
I mean, there. I will admit that. Oh no, I know. Oh, yeah, you had some opinions about that. That was, was hilarious. That was presumably the game that St- Stallions was not That's used, right. and McCarthy's performance he threw three interceptions. That. And you know what? And again, we'll talk about JJ McCarthy in a second. But my overall point with like watching Michigan is that really, I think there's probably maybe three games that are actually necessary to have watched to understand what that team is about this season, right? Like you didn't need to watch East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green to understand what's going on with them, what they were trying to do at the beginning of the year. You didn't need to watch all of Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, you know, to understand where they kind of peaked. And you don't need to watch all of Purdue, Penn State, Maryland to see where they've been the past three games. You really just need to pick one from each of those to see the arc of their season right so this is a team that i think started out wanting to be super like man ball aggressive we're going to pound 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 with with blake and do basically what we did last year we'll spell him with donovan edwards and it'll be great we'll score 45 points a game jj mccarthy will throw the ball 10 times and then that's it that's all we got to worry about and what's interesting to me is at the beginning of the season michigan was averaging like 30 points a game like 33 points a game, something like that, right? Through the first four games, they did not look that impressive. Um, rushing the ball, defensively, they looked great. I mean, defensively, they looked super incredible. But And they were winning these games comfortably, but it was pretty obvious that there was like something that they were missing. And that's when they started to turn J.J. McCarthy loose a little bit. And they let him kind of air it out, uh, scramble, do all kinds of crazy stuff. And that's when you start to see teams, you know, getting beat by Michigan 45 to 7 and 52 to 10 and 52 to 7 and then going and shutting out Michigan State. And now what you've seen in the last third of the season against Purdue, Penn State, and Maryland is those pigeons coming home to roost a little bit. Because as it turns out, maybe Blake Corum isn't that threatening. Maybe Donovan Edwards is complete ass. <laughs> and maybe you can stay at home a little bit right with your safeties and your corners and and play man occasionally go to zone whatever and ask jj mccarthy to beat you with his arm and maybe that's not the best bet in the world so now that's culminated i think in their game against maryland last week where they win by a touchdown they were never seriously threatened because maryland's offense just could not get it going um several that, that was a stressful football game for them. No, no, I, I don't know about them never being seriously. Well, here's okay. Like so they were going for it on fourth down a lot. You don't do that that's unless true. you're kind of desperate. Here, the, what I will say about that is that it was pretty obvious that Maryland was capable of. So I'll agree with you. I, I think it was pretty obvious that Maryland was at least capable of pulling off something crazy, right? They, they could. Tagovailoa may may have been able to hit a bomb. Um, you know, maybe they get something going because beginning of the second half they looked a lot better. Uh, but then they had those really terrible turnovers, right? That just sunk them at the end of the game. I, you know, the fumble and then you know all the other stuff. They run in the Tagovailoa family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they did they they did what they they tend to do, and um, they meeting Maryland, which is kind of just fall apart at the end of the game, and. At that point, I think Michigan felt pretty safe. The The thing is, and when we talk about this, when we talk about Michigan a little bit, last year, Michigan played probably their worst game of the season against Illinois. And I was like, going into the game, I was like, oh, Ohio State's got this. You got C.J. Stroud. You've got all these wide receivers. Defense looks a little bit better. 
Yeah. And, you know, and, and not only that, but I was looking at JJ McCarthy and going, Oh my God, this guy, he can't throw the ball. He, he, he has not been able to connect with anybody deep. He's super inconsistent. His, you know, his completion percentage is down and then they come out against Ohio state and they just hit bomb after bomb. And then they, you know, then all of a sudden Donovan Edwards starts gashing him. And I'm like, well, the nothing, the nothing before this meant anything. So I guess my point is with all this talking about Michigan, this comes with the caveat that I don't know what version of Michigan is going to show up against Ohio state on Saturday. I do know that some interesting things are trending in interesting ways. And we'll have to talk about that a little bit. Um, but aside from Donovan Edwards, and I'm going to ask you this, George, aside from Donovan Edwards, Blake Corum, J.J. McCarthy, who's the dude on Michigan's team that either scares you or impresses you the most, besides the dudes that are most obvious? Well, so I my answer to your previous question, how many games with Michigan have you watched this year, is three. Okay. So the first one that I did was Rutgers – and then I watched Penn State and Maryland. Okay, and I think um, those are those are solid choices to get a good idea. I was about insistent that the Rutgers game was much closer than the final score indicated. I believe that uh, Rutgers was driving at one point in the third quarter to potentially tie the game, or at least bring it to within one score. And there was a pivotal moment where they had to go for it on fourth down and uh, just kind of inexplicably turn the ball over on a, on what proved to be like a bit of a meme pick six. Like the play was presumed dead by like half the people that were on the field. And then it just kind of turned out that, oh, someone on Michigan's defense has the ball and they were able to just run it like 60 yards back for a touchdown. Right. So if that weird play doesn't happen on fourth down for them where they get points out of it directly and are able to blow the game open by multiple scores at that point. I don't know if it is necessarily ending 31 seven, because at that point it was September 23rd when they played Rutgers and we were running with the narrative at that point, the Michigan hadn't played anybody. That was their fourth game of the season that was the best team that they had played to that point. They were still getting to play at home. They hadn't played any road games at all yet. And for the first half of that game, at least, they really did not look that mm-hmm. great. Um, as in the last two games, um, you know, Mike Sandstrill is going to be the guy that I, I think I would be the worried most about relative to the excluding the names that you just mentioned. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was the one that made the very key play last year against uh, Cade Stover in breaking up the pass in the end zone. Uh, so he he's already someone that is coming into this game with the experience of having made big momentum changing or disrupting or key significant plays and he's had consecutive weeks in Michigan's biggest games now where he's performed up to that standard so I I think that it's gonna I don't know how often he's gonna be matched up with Marvin Harrison I I'm not privy necessarily to how Michigan does their matchups uh relative to cornerbacks and receivers but 
it uh, just whether or not he's going to be on Ibuka or Harrison, it's going to be key to watch how he operates when McCord is targeting him. And like I've been saying a lot for this team, the margin of Ohio state, the margin of error relative to turnovers is really slim to none with the way that they play football and the kind of limitations that McCord has. So if he does end up turning the ball over this weekend, you would stand to reason Sandstrom's probably going to be involved in it. So I'd keep an eye on him. That's what I'm going to be worried about. But really this game just comes down to, are they going to get pressure on J.J. McCarthy or not? Are they going to hit the quarterback that doesn't like to get hit? Or are they going to let him be the slippery bastard that he enjoys being? And they're going to give up chunk plays and third down and longs. And that's just going to kind of wear at their soul over four. Yeah. And let's talk about that a little bit, because first of all, I agree with you. I mean, St. Trail is, um, you know, he had two interceptions last week. He's got five on the season. He's going to be the guy that they're going to rely on to try to, you know, put Marvin in a pocket. And I don't know that that's possible, but they're, they're going to try to basically phase him as much as they can. You know, the thing about J.J. McCarthy and Trey Moore, obviously he's, you know, he's the guy in charge right now. You don't have your your head coach on the sidelines for this game. A lot of people have been saying, you know, in between being the offensive line coach, play calling, all that kind of stuff, and being the head coach, maybe the guy's in over his head a little bit. And, you know, <laughs> it was funny. I think one of my favorite parts about Michigan's um, game against Penn State, and if they had, you know, lost it, would have been my favorite part, but because they won, uh, the way in which they won in the second half, they only attempted two passes. They ran like 30 runs. I think there was like 12 in a row at one point, then like 18 in a row at another point or some crazy thing. Uh, some people were in the camp that this is like badass, you know, like we're just going to line up and shove the ball down your throat kind of football. And then there was like another segment of the Michigan fandom that was kind of like, wait, this is stupid. Why did we do that? Because they, it was a one-score game, and halfway through the third quarter, Michigan had a three-and-out, and then a six-and-out, and then a three-and-out. At a critical point in time, Penn State gets points on any of those you know drives where they got the ball back almost immediately. It's a completely different game. Now, they didn't, and Michigan wins, but I, I really think that there is a case to be made um, that he is more meaning he uh, might be in a little bit over his head in this type of situation. And they've been playing much more conservatively with JJ McCarthy in the past couple weeks. Now that could be they're sandbagging a little bit for the game. I don't know. Um, But I find it interesting how JJ McCarthy has looked and played in the past couple weeks with Moore as his head coach um, and, and how conservative they've been. Because honestly, like, you know, if you're in a situation, if you're Michigan and you're in a situation against Ohio State where you're tied going into the third quarter, I don't know that you can play that way. I don't think you can play the way that they played against Maryland and Penn State and come out with a win. I don't think that they can do that. They have to be more aggressive than that. And they have played it super conservatively. So that's going to be an interesting storyline to look for, I think, on Saturday. See how they actually try to approach the game um, with McCarthy. Well, the trend that we saw last year was that they kept McCarthy under wraps until the game, and then he metamorphosized into this long ball touchdown thrower. Okay. For Turns into Ohio sexy Rexy State. for a half, and then 
and the big no and the big 10 well, championship and, no, yes you're right. and then the That's college right. football no, playoff right. out of necessity so it was i think this is a by design thing for them and okay. that they're withholding their best weaponry and scheme right. until the most important games of the season and it, they do that deliberately out of the interest of not putting it on film and we saw Ohio State do that in many ways this year in a way that I think you're going to see both of these teams really open up their playbooks in ways that they haven't into the, it going into this game. Right. It's it's going to be a fun game to watch for that additional reason. We're going to see a lot of, I think, offensive uh, concepts from each of these teams that we haven't necessarily seen in the abundance that either fan base would have liked. Uh, the question is going to be, who's going to be better at executing this new stuff? Um, and, I, uh, and I've and i been encouraged by how I've seen Ohio State gradually roll out and incorporate their new stuff uh, in recent weeks. If you're Michigan relative to recent performances against the best competition you've had, you don't, I don't think necessarily feel as good, but to your point, there's no way as a Michigan fan, you could have felt good about the home performance against Illinois last year going into on the road at Columbus. And then the game played out the way that it did, but they also had stallions last year feeding (laughs) them, you know, the goods. So it, uh, it goes Can I, let ways. me ask you this. So if you're, you know, Ryan Day, okay, and you're like, all right, I got to dial something up, something super crazy. Not super crazy, but just something that we haven't seen as much this year, something that could really benefit the team. What's something that you would put in that you would like to see that we haven't seen as much from the offense against Michigan? Uh, Xavier Johnson Wildcat. <laughs> Do you actually want to see that? It sounds like it sounds like a meme, but I mean, it, seriously, this this offense does so much better when there's like an actual mobile threat attached to it. But the thing is, Devin Brown, he's he's got like JT Barrett elusiveness, but like not even like that much quickness to it. Where those packages that they want to run with him in the red zone just don't quite work even though you, they're trying to force him to be Tebow but this offense has shown that there there's an edge for it in living on the edge because of Travion right. Henderson if you incorporate another guy that can attack the opposite edge if you're rotating Travion in motion maybe one yep. way towards another boundary and it comes down you've just got a bunch of plays that are designed around okay, Xavier Johnson's either going to beat you to the right edge or Travion's going to get it and go to the left edge. You're just creating a read option with your two most elusive uh, rushers to the boundary in the offense. I think that that's kind of an interesting thing to look at. That's a potentially interesting look, and we've seen with the the Swiss Army Knife ability that uh, Xavier Johnson has, I think that he would probably be comfortable operating in a role like that and he's already getting every time they go into those like twin flex plays and he goes into the orbit motion pattern he's always getting the ball anyway right. so they're already scheming an entire package really a formation 
based on the way the day is calling it around him anyway. I mean, just give him the keys so, and let him go to work with trade. So I actually on. agree with that. And, and, and yeah, actually I'm going <laughs> to, let me say that I agree with it. And I also think they can do something else with it. So I, I definitely want to see Xavier Johnson more in the backfield. And I think combined with uh, Henderson's pass catching ability, I mean, like you said, you get those guys in the boundary, you have them do like a little hook route, wheel route, whatever. That's going to, that's money, right? However, when Xavier Johnson is on the field, he's getting the ball like every time, right? That That's pretty much been the tendency. Break that tendency. Put him out on the field, yes. put him in motion, and then dump it off to Cade. And then that'll get you 10, 15 yards every single time because they're going to be so worried about him getting the ball off the gut, him like trying to play off Henderson or using Henderson as a lead blocker. It's, it's wild that Xavier Johnson is the guy <laughs> that can make – uh, other teams so uh, confused on defense, but because he is that Swiss Army knife, you can play so many other dudes off him. I want to see a situation where you just do a goofy crap in the backfield with Xavier Johnson, make him look at both him and Henderson, and then just delay leak, put it out to Cade in the flat, and then bam. Yeah, I had, and I would say that's the other thing I really want to see is that in terms of the checkdowns that I've really been advocating for, for McCord, they've almost been entirely Travion centric when we have seen them. The other really easy way to set those up is by using delay routes. And we've seen paid or paid Cade Stover play. <laughs> that's just going to be, that's just so often when he gets to the NFL, that's, just, that's when he gets drafted, played Stover. No, 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 paid Stover when he gets into the fourth round and, and gets drafted by the giants. That's uh that's who he's going to be. It's going to be paid Stover. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it goes well yeah. for him. But one thing that would help him with that this weekend is showing the versatility in his route tree, which a big one, especially if you're an NFL tight end is your delay right. routes. And I think that with Michigan showing blitz and often, you know, bringing blitz, it's going to be in Ohio state's interest to, in turn show early blockers in terms of trying to, you know, assist McCord with uh, dealing with the pressure of the blitz and then Stover leaking out and being there and available for easy check down yards, getting four to five yards or, you know, even less in this game, but just keeping the offense productive and keeping Michigan honest, not letting them enjoy uh, consistent success with getting hurries. I ne- I wasn't necessarily encouraged by how McCord dealt with that against Minnesota. So I'm still I, I I'm not feeling great about how he's going to deal with Michigan given that this is presumably going to be the best pass rush that they've played against all season. Right. However, we there's a lot of things that we haven't seen on film from Ohio state yet that we know that they're capable of. And there's other avenues to mitigating McCord's ability to deal with the pressure that we haven't seen them explore yet. So I'm reasonably optimistic that we're going to see those. The obvious one would be delay and shallow crossing routes for Stover in the flat. And hopefully we see those in abundance, assuming Michigan is showing blitz off. And that's the thing. I think Mentor is going to try to dial up a lot of stuff. The key thing here is, in my opinion, is getting 
good yardage on first down so that you can be more creative. And that's going to be difficult because Michigan has a lot of really solid defensive linemen, particularly at tackle. Um, that's going to be something where you kind of have to watch out for because, you know, if they're in a situation where, you know, they're constantly trying to get guys, uh, you know, you know, they're constantly trying to get guys open in third and long situations. That's going to be a lot more difficult against Michigan than if you can, you know, play the short game and, and do some fun stuff. So hopefully the uh, the running game is there on early downs. Um, I also think a lot of it does have to do with, you know, Kyle McCord finding guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. for those big hitters. Like that's that's going to be a big deal. And even even if it's a situation where they're like, you know, putting putting Marv on <laughs> like one of those like you know little fly route things or where they're just gonna like you know touch pass and whatever in the backfield even if it's something like that like you just have to get him constantly involved in the game um and he's he's gonna be there I mean he's gonna have space because I don't think anybody on Michigan's you know secondary can really match him up one-on-one -on -one, although they may try occasionally uh, but when you get that opportunity Kyle's got to hit on it um because if they don't you, you cannot go you cannot get away in this game I think with getting field goals like when you get the opportunity you're in the red zone you've got to score touchdowns against Michigan because um, they're not going to give you a lot of chances they they're a slow team they're methodical they use up all the clock that they can and uh, Ohio State has to be um, more aggressive when it comes to some of that play calling in the in the red zone that I think they have been um the other thing is, I think this is really important as well. This is the final thing I'll get to before you could ask us anything and uh, a read from our sponsor. But uh, <laughs> I like the mentality of the coaching. You know, I, I know there's so much wrapped up into you know Ryan Day and, and all this stuff and, and, you know, thinking about how he's approaching it. I think he seems kind of in the right headspace now, honestly. Like maybe, maybe being super mad and, uh, you know, stressed out and, 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 focused on thing is work because I was listening to some interviews to him uh, from him uh, earlier today. And, you know, part of uh, a radio show call in that he did on 97.1. And he was like, <laughs> I don't, he was all, he was basically saying, he's like, I don't want these guys to even think about Thanksgiving. Like this is all about the game this week. <laughs> you got <laughs> like, you can, you can enjoy it for a well, little bit. Damn. But he was like, no, 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 that's the sacrifice you have to make if you want to beat Michigan. So this dude seems locked and loaded. Like, he seems all in on this. And it reminds me, honestly, um, of before the uh, the Clemson game where they just went out and blew Dabo out of the water and basically ended his career. And uh, I don't know, man. He, he seems pretty angry. <laughs> he seems like a dude who's pretty uh, focused on this. So mm -hmm. I think I think the gunslinger Ryan Day is going to come out and not the tepid uh, scaredy cat Ryan Day. I think this is a guy who's ready for this game right now. Still got to win. I would like to see it. I would too. Still got to win. Still got to win. I agree with that. So we're going to get a little bit more about Ohio State Michigan, including the the very fun, you know, sign-stealing scandal stuff, because there's more stuff there that we have to discuss. But before we do, we're going to do Ask Us Anything, and of course, a message from our sponsor, One Medical. The best defense is a good offense, and that goes for your health too. That's why One Medical, the modern doctor's office, is changing the playbook for primary care. With four C-Bus locations and 24-7 virtual care, One Medical helps Buckeye stay healthy. And their relationship with OSU's Wexner Medical Center makes it easy to get access to specialists. To get your 30-day free trial, visit onemedical.com and use the code TRY1MCOL. That's T-R-Y, the number one, M-C-O-L. 
All right, that was one medical, and this is Ask Us Anything, when you can ask us literally anything uh, by sending us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com. So let's go ahead and get started here. We've got several. Uh, this is from Q's Holmes, who says, Evan Pryor got a few carries over Hayden in the blowout against Michigan State. Uh, there has to be more to it than we're redshirting him, which is ridiculous for a high foresight player who would normally leave after three years in the program. Good players don't redshirt. They play. I do think it's about redshirting uh, with Dallin Hayden. I think they know that Henderson is probably out of here, and they probably are looking at Hayden and going, okay, like Evan Pryor uh, has not had the same kind of spark that he had before his injury, and you're going to be you know, running back number one next season. So I, I think that's a big part of it. I think they want the dude to get experience, but they also want him to be available. So for me, I think that's definitely what it is. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, you're – assuming Mayan Williams even comes back next year. I mean, that's going to be yeah. two play two of your top three running back options, at least from a seniority context are, you know, players dealing with significant injuries that have ended their seasons at various points in their careers. And then right. you have Dallin Hayden. So it's, I think it's pretty obvious long-term, uh, who the guy is probably going to be in terms of the the lead back in this offense. But uh, if, you know, enjoy the the depth that Ohio State has been able to play with right now because, I mean, if I, I feel much less optimistic about Ohio State's backfield uh, if those – if those are two of the top three options in it next year, um, yeah. I'll feel good about Hayden at the lead, but then you run into questions again with, you know, if that guy gets hurt, I mean, who are we really left to lean on at this point, particularly if Travion isn't there. So I, uh, yeah, you know, there's, there's going to be some questions that need to be addressed. And uh, the bigger thing I think is, you know how this this is multiple years in a row now where the whole running back room has been getting ravaged by injuries and mm-hmm. you know you you just kind of have to wonder is there really anything that you can do different in terms of trying to mitigate that cuz it is uh i don't know whether it's preparation or whatever or whether they're just intentionally being cautious about holding guys out uh it still just isn't good look two seasons in a row to have this kind of needing to be as going deep into the well as they've been having to do uh, on a varying week by week basis, just because of uh, seemingly random availability across their running back room. So I, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out long-term. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, all right, so this one's from Nelson. This is an interesting question. So this was asked five days ago. This is, uh, you know, pre-Minnesota um, game. But interesting question. I'm just curious what you what you would answer for this, George. So looking at QBR, so quarterback rating, uh, where would you say, where do you think that Kyle McCord is right now, if you had to guess? Like for the whole country? Yeah, so like in other words, like where does he rank relative, like you know, first, second, you know, tenth, thirtieth, wherever. In terms of starting quarterbacks, where do you think he is uh, nationally? I'll say he's top fifty. <laughs> he's definitely top fifty. Okay, 
top uh, 30. Also, well, I'll tell you something. Uh, give you a little bit of perspective on this. Drew Aller is in the top 30. Okay, oh, so, that's disgusting. Okay. Right. Um, Just to give you some, some uh, comparison. He is number 21. Okay, so 21. I'll tell you who is 21. That's Will Howard at KSU. He's uh, got a... <laughs> 75.6 QBR according to ESPN. Um, uh, okay, well, I'll read a couple short, interesting names. I shortchanged records so hard. Oh, a little God. bit. So We're I'll a tell, little I'm gonna read bit. some other names. I'm going to read some other names to you here, real quick, uh, that you'll recognize. So Sam Hartman at Notre Dame is uh, 20th in QBR. He's 75.7. Quinn Ewers is 16th. He's 78 flat. Um,. Caleb Williams, 10th at 82.4. Interesting. And Jalen Milrow, 9th at 83.6. And Kyle McCord sitting at number eight nationally at 83.8. Yeah, not, not a real stat. Not a real stat. Invented but, by I, the ESPN media machine. That's not right. a real stat. Not they're gonna sad. they're gonna throw it out because Caleb Williams barely is making the top ten. Not a real <laughs> stat. Um, but it is. I do think it's interesting to point out. Like he has been really efficient, and there has been some games. There's been a couple games where he's looked like butt. I mean, honestly, like I don't think he's you know not done what we've wanted him to do. I really don't However, think he looked that great in his, in the last game that they just played. You know, well, kind of why we didn't want at, to talk about Minnesota. <laughs> well, I know, but you know, against Minnesota, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't terrible. He he was twenty for 66 percent of his passes, two hundred twelve yards and two touchdowns. Now, is that amazing? No, but is it really good? I mean, now he's solid. got as many bum ankles as he does touchdown passes in that game. And maybe maybe he you know if you've got two, it evens it out, and so then it's fine. Uh, you know, but against Michigan okay. State, he was fantastic. Against Michigan State, he had you know seventy-seven percent completion percentage. Against who? Yards. Michigan State. Who? <laughs> they're from the state of Michigan. They're they're just as good. It's it's fine. It's the same thing. So I don't know, man. It I, it's the point is well taken, Nelson. I I do I do think that those stats can. I'm kind of with George, honestly. I think the stats can be a little deceptive. Um, I don't know that that necessarily indicates how a player is going to do against Michigan, right? Like, you know, the toughest defense is going to face all season, more pass rush than he's going to face all season or has faced all season. Um, it is interesting, though, to see that maybe he's not getting quite the flowers that he deserves, but I just find that interesting. Um, Where's so, McCarthy on that list? Is he number one? He's not number one. Um, your uh, your good buddy, Jaden Daniels, is actually number one on that by a decent <laughs> margin. <laughs> Uh, J.D. McCarthy is number two, just ahead of Bo Nix and uh, Carson Beck. Um, Michael Penix Jr. kind of fell off a little bit. He's six. That's unfortunate. But, you know, it is what it is. Not a real uh, stat. Not a real stat. <laughs> That's how we feel about a lot of these. Disney things, so. stats, not real <laughs> stats. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Fairies per capita. Uh, what am I trying to do here? Okay, next one here. This is... Uh, from Kevin, who says, in 1967, Woody Hayes had the greatest quote ever, do you agree? Which is the, of course, why didn't you, you know, why'd you go for two? Because it couldn't go for three. Classic. Uh, it's not really a question, Kevin, but I, I do appreciate your enthusiasm uh, for Michigan getting beat by as many points as possible. And, you know, Woody Hayes, 
I put a couple of things actually in Slack. I, I got a, um, you know, working at the library, we get these donations from, uh, you know, from people. And I got this collection of really old uh, newspaper articles. It was like a book of really old Ohio State newspaper articles from the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s. And the collection, some of these Woody Hayes notes, including like a time that he was like he punched a reporter in the 50s and everybody and he shrugged. He was like, no, I didn't punch him. I just shoved him really hard. Um, and then uh, some of the other things that he like said, and I guess he was like paying for a player's uh, room and board or something at one point. Ohio State got dinged for it. But, you know, he was a character and a very entertaining man. And I, you know, I got to agree with you. That's, that's one of the all time great quotes. Um, right up there with Ryan day wanting to fight octogenarian Lou Holtz. It's not my favorite Sorry. rivalry quote though. What's your favorite rivalry quote? I think my favorite is from the lead singer of the dead Schembecklers <laughs> who once said, I'm being very serious. He, he once, I think he said this, uh, on the HBO, Bo never sp- won a championship. Uh, that's said, also something he said, which well, is true. He said this on the uh, introduction for uh, the HBO special about the rivalry, and he oh, called right, it 2006. Yeah, yeah, he called it. Uh, you feel as though you are a part of something that has been around long before you existed and will continue long after you are gone. And uh, it really, really is like that. It, it, it is uh, it, 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 the, the history and the tradition and the, the raw hatred that exists in this rivalry is... Uh, it is a special thing to witness and participate in. It is one of the things that makes me proud to be an Ohio state fan. And, uh, you know, that quote from Woody Hayes is great, but when I think about what makes this a special experience for everybody, it really, that, that way that he kind of summarized it was, uh, it really, I think, puts everything into perspective, especially as we're going into this weekend where history is written by the winners, and this is a very big, like, narrative-forming moment for the rivalry. Like, whoever ends up winning this game is going to control the narrative relative to which school was complaining too much about what the other one was doing. Right. And who was actually justified in complaining about it? Yeah, so. no, that's you're right. It, it really is going to kind of determine how this whole you know sign gate crap um, kind of plays out and is remembered. I think that's a big part of it. Uh, all right, so this is from uh, not your good buddy Alvin, <laughs> someone completely different. Wow, throwing some shade. Uh, all right, so the game needs to include a Heisman pose from Marv akin to Desmond Howard's. I, like George, am a graduate of recent years who is fueled by hate, and if they're going to tread on slash hijack Ohio versus the world, which, yeah, Michigan versus everybody, that's cool. Like, you got <laughs> it's not enough to seal signs. Like, you've got to seal slogans? Come on. Uh, then Marvin Harrison should replace Desmond's uh, hallmark moment. It's what both he and Desmond Howard deserve. 
and I know oh, that, that is what would we'd be all crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that would, be, would sick. be so wild. That would be sick. And I don't think he could get the uh, Matt. Could you imagine if he had to like? Imagine if he had to meet Desmond on stage after that, especially oh after, God. especially after all the CJ Stroud stuff, and then Marv wins the award would, after would, he steals Des's moment in Ann Arbor. That would be an all-time college football twist of fate. Yeah, man. Oh my goodness. And I got to say, first of all, that's an excellent point. And if Marvin Harrison Jr. is within the reach of my voice, which I know he's not, but if he is, he needs to do that. You have to do that. You know, that's that would be the funniest possible thing that you could do. Um, you know, I love those moments. I love it when you have, you know, those iconic, uh, you know, like plays or things that people do just like, oh, yeah, that was really awesome. And it sucks that Michigan has one of the most well-known in college football history. I would argue Ohio State does a better one with Marcus Hall flipping the double bird on his way out of Michigan Stadium. Oh, yeah. That is top five. Oh, yeah, easily. And it's not – the thing about that one that makes it so great is that it's not just like, oh, I hate these guys. It was like the most emphatic like double bird I've ever seen in my entire life out of anyone. The, the pure anger and, and then they won the- radiated from it. And then they won the game. So 100% with you, not your good friend, Alvin. Um, if if Ohio State's winning and Marvin Harrison just wants to stun on them and just make them feel, just really add the cherry on top after the last month, I think that is absolutely what he should do. That is an excellent point. Did he and sign I, the note, not your good friend, Alvin? He literally wrote that. Yeah, that's on the, that's on the email. Alvin, what the so. hell is wrong with you, dude? No, Alvin didn't do it. <laughs> no, this is another guy. I assume who wants to be a roommate. I'm not going to say his real name because I assume he wants to be anonymous. So Wait, I'm different. so confused. The guy wrote not your good friend Alvin as his name? Yeah. yeah. He's he's trying to be, he's mysterious, man. He's, he doesn't want to be identified. So I'm going to honor his request. Alvin, and not we, let you know. we are embracing you and your your inquiries on the dubcast, and you shun us with your friendship. <laughs> I want to be your friend. Um, What's Marvin so Harrison going to think when he hears this while he's on the Monarch machine? You that's know? right. That's right. He's got the dubcast playing in his earbuds. He's he like, needs something to help him concentrate. What are we doing? That's right. Um, okay, so that's Ask Us Anything this week. I'm sure we will have many, many questions to answer next week uh, with our uh, you know, font of wisdom. Um, so continue sending those in. I, uh, it's dubcast at 11warriors.com. Let's talk real quick. We, you know, we've got some time left here, and, and we would be remiss if we didn't kind of recap some of the more insane crap that has been going on with Michigan football and the scandal surrounding the team. Um, Basically I wrote about this in threat level, you know, Michigan spent about a week, right? Like shirtless and belligerent and just saying, fight us, fight us, fight us. We'll see you in court. We're filing for temporary restraining order. And then the NCAA shows up and says, yeah, but we've got all this evidence and Michigan like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please. Please make this go away. And it's it's funny that in literally about 12 hours, they shifted from, we're taking this to the mat, to please 
uh, wipe your feet on the uh, <laughs> on the mat before you come well, in. This is what happens sorry, when you like. This is what happens when you deal with a legion of lawyers. Is that you know they they know That's how right. they're very eloquent and they know how to talk a tough game. And then you present them with the evidence that's actually available, and then they ask, "Okay, uh, we we want a deal." Uh, yes. so, which you know, if you've ever <laughs> seen it, in this right now, right, if you've ever seen like an episode of Law and Order where like you know they do that in the negotiate or in the, or in the uh, they're interrogating the suspect and the suspect and their representation are like, yeah, you don't have anything, and they're like, well, actually, we have this, and then it's like, right, oh, oh, okay, uh, so we're ready to make a deal. That's what the lawyer <laughs> does right. every time. So it's the same <laughs> thing here, where it's like, oh yeah, we're going down, we're gonna fight him tooth and nail. Yeah, but you're, you know especially the, the arm stuff you did <laughs> especially the armchair lawyers that are spectating here and aren't even actually you know going to the right. the front line for michigan on this once well, the people that are actually privy to the situation see the sins are laid to bear it's like oh yeah we might have actually done something wrong here at least by the letter of the law. And then at that right. point it becomes, well, but everybody else did this. And then also Stallions was a lone wolf, a rogue agent of chaos. He, <laughs> he wasn't affiliated with Michigan at all. That's right. Yeah, he wasn't. Who was paying him all this money? I don't know. Um, so you see the how they've is- tried to turn the, like, the spin. It's all been of legal course. lawyer tactics from the beginning. And this is just another lawyerly response to the news is, oh, we actually yeah. might have done something. And now it's, you know, head in the sand and us against the world. And, uh, you know, I plead the fifth. I just feel bad for fans that kind of bought into the bluster, right? Because I you mean, feel I bad for these this- people. I don't feel bad. I, I feel... I think irritated is probably the better word because I had to put up with like reading and listening and, and responding to get people who were like, Oh no, Michigan isn't going to take this line down. We're going to the sec. We're out of here. I'm like, what are you re- like? Do you really believe that that's where this is headed? That, that they're, that Michigan is going to some whole, you know, somehow we're going to the this, sec like- where they enable cheating. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Nobody will care if we cheat there. But what are they going to do? They're going to pull like a reverse Uno card and then just take down Ohio State somehow. Like that's not how this works. Michigan, they're the people who did the bad thing. They broke the rule. They're going to then therefore get in trouble. And so now, of course, you've got a linebackers coach who's been fired for uh, allegedly, I guess, like destroying evidence. Yeah, and people this. just kind of glossed over that this week. That's kind of like yeah. an insane twist in this story. Like they, yeah, they just had to fire another position coach who presumably was also, you know, one of the Stalions Google Doc members. And yeah, like, uh like he got right caught he got caught destroying evidence. Like how does that affect the investigation now in terms of okay, we've literally just like we're trying to find additional ways in which you were complicit and guilty in this. And we just caught you erasing those like red handed who did they, did Michigan self report that or did they find that during the investigation? We still don't know that sort of information either. The, the, the truth is we're probably not going to actually see the, the justified punishment for Michigan until after the season. But right. by that point, Harbaugh is probably going to jump ship for the NFL, yeah. regardless of what job is available. So 
the real punishment has to come this weekend. And the only people that are in a position to really punish Michigan for their crimes are Ohio State. That's right. I want to tell you something. I will I will personally send fifty dollars of my own money, fifty American dollars, to any Michigan beat writer that takes the first opportunity to ask Jim Harbaugh how his uh, contract extension is going. That is <laughs> the first person to do that. I will personally send fifty of my own dollars. If Harbaugh to... leaves for the NFL, do you think Michigan still threatens to go to the SEC? <laughs> We're done. No, they're going to threaten to go to like the Sun Belt or something like that. Let's... We're going to the MAC. I'm sure Hugh Freeze would around. give them a spin. That's one SEC oh, yeah, team he hasn't ruined yet. There you go. Exactly. Um, so yeah, Michigan rolled as soon as the, uh, the big 10 got serious They're like, you know, they, they turned around, they did their own reverse, you know, card said, bet, let's go. Here's all the info we had. And Michigan was like, Oh, I see. That's a lot of information. And then, uh, also like, Oh wait, in the course of your investigation, you also realize that this guy has been talking to players and coaching them how to respond to the NCAA and allegedly destroying evidence. Huh? I guess we got to fire that guy. That's not good. Um, so three game suspension for Harbaugh. That's fine. And they took it. And then, of course, there's uh, information coming out about the mysterious Uncle T. Uncle T in the background. Giving money to Connorstown. Uh, <laughs> giving money. Apparently giving money uh, to uh, Connor Stallions. Um, but they didn't file an expense report. I, that was the other thing. The news came out that there wasn't an expense. That Connor Stallions did not file an expense report. And Michigan fans were like, see, everything's fine. And I'm like... <laughs> What under uh, at some point somebody told Connor Stallions not to file an expense report report, um, and the only reason why a Michigan fan would feel in any way good about that prospect is because he's been so stupid in every single other aspect of this scandal leading up to it that they expected him to do the dumbest possible thing, which is to document his crimes. <laughs> um, which again, these aren't crimes; these are just rule breaking. But. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's really funny yeah, right Because the expense report doesn't mean anything. You know who has the expense report? All the schools that see that he bought the ticket in his <laughs> name. Right. There's That's a right. receipt for all of those. Exactly. That's the expense, re- expense report. You don't need to have it on the part of And Michigan. the spreadsheet, Clearly. which has been of public knowledge from the beginning, that there is a spreadsheet that has all of his expenditures up to $15,000 for a season documented. Like, it's, right. it's known that that's there. He did his own expense report. He just didn't submit it to the university. <laughs> so it's already right. been budgeted. We know it's there. And the schools that are on the other side of him actually like you know them supplying the tickets in his name like if he really wanted to be stealthy about this he wouldn't have used his own name right right. why didn't he just use stallions with two l's (laughs) they'll never know senior horse um so just write it off for the vacuum repair salesman business (laughs) he's running that's right or the blake I was going to say the shady LLC where he might be. That's the other crazy part. Cake Blorum. That's who he should have paid for it. So, okay. But if Blake Corum, okay, let's take it at face value. Blake Corum has no idea what's going on with all that. Isn't, doesn't that mean that a Michigan staffer was defrauding the star player on Michigan football? (laughs) Like, isn't that what that means? 
Because if Blake Corum is not lying, if he's t- completely telling the truth, like I have no idea what's going on with this dude, that's crazy, I don't know, then I'm pretty sure that's what that means, that that there is some actual fraud happening. Like, a I'm not shadow a corporation like, with the shadow yeah. puppets and Uncle so, T providing <laughs> shadow expenditures. That's right. Um, so that's, that's insane. All of that's insane. Uh, NCAA is still poking around, by the way. That's not done. They, they still, I mean, Big Ten punished Harbaugh, not the NCAA still got stuff they might want to try to do. Also, the FBI is still hanging out. Yeah, I, I so think you're fun. too obsessed with the computer crime stuff, man. I think, like, in terms of treating that like its own entity, it's it has to be connected at this point. Like, it's, it all feels ma- too weird. No, the FBI stuff was with Matt Weiss. That was the right, that but was now where... there's another coordinator that has been caught destroying evidence. Yeah. Like, what kind of evidence can you destroy related to an investigation like this? It has to be digital. It's got to be record altering stuff or well, disposing dis- disposing of files. It could be emails too. It could also be. Well, you think she, you think he was bleach bidding his emails or something like? No, I mean it could just be. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. But my point is, is that when the feds are involved, that's that's never good news, and that's definitely going to add another element to this. Um, my point is, I don't think that that's its own independent thing. The way that you're treating it, I think that that's very much related to, like. Well, what the, if it the, is? That's way worse for Michigan. <laughs> why? Would, why? Really... I mean, but that makes sense. Why at every turn the Michigan people are treating? Because I think Michigan has treated it in a very similar way to the way you have, where they're like, "Oh yeah, the compute, the mid, the FBI thing's bad, but it doesn't have anything to do with this thing that people are more sensational and worked up about and then right their come to jesus moment every time in this process has been they go to meet with the ncaa or something and then it's like oh wait there's a lot more shit here that they have than we realized who's giving them that right how do they have right. that what investigative no, body is giving them that that's that is a really interesting point it's and... not ryan day's brother unless you believe chris <laughs> ballas yeah that's uh, god i could and i could honestly spend like a whole half hour on um the the kind of the fantasies that have been um constructed by michigan fans about this like they there's a huge segment of the michigan fan base that truly believes that ohio state like hired a pr firm to like generate this story and to like make it public and to, to get attention on it as if it needed the help at all with all the insanity. And then Ryan Day um, deployed his shadow contacts he made at Boston right. College that have now that's matriculated right. to the Washington Post to spread that's, deception and lies through the national college four, football media. That's right. It only took two decades, but he finally pulled it off. That Sam Ryan Webb Day. said that. He said he needed to I investigate know. the connection between the WAPO article and Ryan yeah. Day. Like, it's right. the most grasping at straws routine we've ever seen from these people. It's crazy. It's pretty, yeah, it's it's definitely the actions of a group of people who just never expected to find themselves on this side of a scandal. And they're just, just flailing. Like, it's it's literally just, you know, looking for any kind of life preserver, right? Um, real quick, before we kind of wrap this up, you know, Jim Harbaugh, he's quote-unquote suspended, right? He's not going to be on the sidelines. Do you think that was an appropriate punishment or do you think that that was, that should have been, um, 
handled differently. No, he should be embargoed from the team. Like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. On it did like him. I think it's Sharon, that he gets the coach during the week. I think that's insane. It's it's particularly like ridiculous in light of the fact that he was suspended for the first three games of this season already. Like right. it. And they were the team literally during the suspension was spitting in the face of the, that wasn't even the big 10 that leveraged that suspension against them. Am I correct? That was the NCAA that said you have to be suspended three games. And so the players on the field, they're doing the salute and everything to their fearless leader. Like they're already spitting in the face of an in-season suspension in this same season. Yeah. And so yeah, no, you you just you just doubled down on that? Like I yeah. I'm I'm surprised that we didn't see any of those like antics or salutes or whatever. They knew not to be cute this time, but <laughs> they were still no, doing stuff still like making Jim Harbaugh's dad honorary coach cuz yeah, they were just they like, still- "Oh, we don't care." They still wore the shirts, the free Harbaugh shirts and all that other crap. And they got and like, shirts made for, yeah, right. They were wearing shirts back during that three-game suspension, too, the original yeah, one. So they they're going through the motions with it again. Yeah, I think, you got to do something that actually affects the team. I agree. I think it's insane that they were able to, uh, that he was able to be with the team during the week in the lead-up to the games. He doesn't call plays um, offensively or defensively. I mean, he's obviously doing, you know, like head coaching stuff and all that. I'm not trying to take that away from him, but um yeah that's that's really silly to me uh that he was able to basically just be you know in timeout you know for a saturday like i just i don't know i think that's dumb i also think that you know if more stuff comes out we figure out like you know the fact that boosters are involved and all this other stuff i really i want as much information out there as possible because frankly i don't think that three games is sufficient particularly if michigan let's say they beat ohio state right and they go on and they are in the big 10 championship and the playoff i don't think they should just be able to just walk away from that um so for me i think it should be through the end of the season that's that's how i feel about that at least um but yeah not (laughs) being able to continue to coach during the week that's nothing that doesn't do anything i like to think that like as stallions like final parting from michigan like he it's obvious that so much of his identity is wrapped up in that like program that i would sure. like to think even in light of everything that happened his his final party is like okay i i'm sorry i failed you dear harbaugh but here's my i i've built you one final military device and he he gave <laughs> and he gave them like the the communication equipment that Harbaugh would need to like secretly talk to the sideline and Sharon Moore right, during his right. his suspensions. No, like no, no. no matter no, no. how far Did... underground you're siloed yeah. away from Michigan, right. you'll still be able to talk to them and exactly. give it you know to what? you, Jim. The ultimate Navy the comms. Yeah, he's that's right. He's sitting. No, no. Here's what he does. He he goes to the game. He's in the hotel room, and then right before kickoff, there's a knock on his door. Like, knock, knock, knock. He opens the door. There's nobody there. He looks down. He sees a package, and it just says, from C. And then he opens it up, and it's an earpiece that's, like, multidirectional. And then he and then he hits the button, and then a hologram pops up in front of his face with all of the plays that Ohio State has developed over the past year. And he is able to coach uh, Shrow Moore 
uh, indirectly from his hotel room by relaying everything directly into his ear. They so, didn't actually get rid of happen. Stallions. He's just at the bottom of the totem pole now. And Stallions he has to actually, he's literally Stallions a carrier a, pigeon now between Sharon Moore and Jim Harbaugh while Harbaugh's on Stallions suspension. has uploaded his consciousness into an AI program. And he's actually embedded in all of the iPads that are on the sidelines. Stallions. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> That's that's where that's I am where, all knowing. I have all the stolen signs in the database. That's right. Except all the stolen signs are from like Ohio State in 2010, and it's just Dave. That's all it is. It's just runoff tackle. That's, that's what the FBI is looking for. Stallions has gone into hiding <laughs> inside the database he stole from the Ohio State cloud servers. Yeah, it's like a combination of. Oh, I'm sorry that Mike Matrix. Weiss stole from the cloud servers. Sorry, that's sorry. Right. There you go. It's all and on then the Partridge covered it up. That's right. It's not his name isn't Partridge. It's like an acronym. It's P A T, like P dot A. Uh, uh, so that's the dubcast for this week. I I don't know how are you feeling about the game in general. I'm are you, are you feeling, jacked. I'm juiced. You're jacked. You're this juiced. Is what we live I'm for. Juiced. Here's the thing. No matter what happens on Saturday, it will not erase the fun that we've had along the way, making fun of Michigan for the past month or so. Um, So, you know what? I'm cool with it either way. I think this team, I think Ohio State's ready to play. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm not optimistic, I'll be honest. Uh, I think think Michigan's got the edge on this, but I can see this going either way. So, um, here's what I'll say. Last year, it felt like everybody was rooting for Ohio State to lose. It definitely does not. And it feels like that most years, if I'm being honest. But it definitely, for what feels like the first time in my life, it feels (laughs) like the world is rooting for, if not Ohio State to win, very much rooting for the other side to lose in this game. And that makes me feel very, very good as a college football fan. I haven't gotten to savor or experience that very often in my life. So go bucks. And it does feel like the world is finally with us this weekend. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Go bucks. And I think that's going to be, that's going to be a big part of it. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch either way. So that's the dubcast for this week. We'll be back next week to talk about all the crazy things that happens. And and of course, an Ohio state victory. Uh, But until then, I'm Johnny. I'm George. And we'll see you then. Take care folks.